section thirty five of the cloister and the hearth this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the cloister and the hearth by charles reed chapter thirty three part two while he was roaring with laughter at its unexpected success and gerard's amazement a little hand pulled his jerkin and a little face peeped round his waist curiosity was now the dominant passion in that small but vivid countenance est-ce toi qui l'as-tu beau soldat oui mami said doña as gruffly as ever he could rightly deeming this would smack of supernatural puissance to owners of bell-like trebles c'est moi ce vaut une petite embrassade pas je crois bon ei ei qu'as-tu ça pique ça pique quel dommage je vais la couper non c'est n'est rien et puisque t'as-tu ce méchant t'es vraiment beau tout de même toi t'es l'un mieux que ma grande soeur will you not kiss me too mamie said gerard je ne demande pas mieux tiens 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 c'est dulce celle-ci ah que j'aimons les hommes des femmes ça ne m'aurait jamais donné l'argent blanc plutôt ça m'aurait ri au nez c'est si peu de choses les femmes serviteurs bolsir mon voyage et n'oubliez point la jantant adieu petit coeur said gerard and on they marched but presently looking back they saw the contemner of women in the middle of the road making them a reverence and blowing them kisses with little may morning face come on cried gerard lustily i shall win to rome yet holy saint bavon what a sunbeam of innocence hath shot across our bloodthirsty road forget thee little jeantin not likely amidst all this slobbering and gibbeting and decanting come on thou laggard forward dost call this marching remonstrated donya why we shall walk o'er christmas day and never see it at the next town they came to suddenly an arbalestrier ran out of a tavern after them and in a moment his beard and donya's were like two brushes stuck together it was a comrade he insisted on their coming into the tavern with him and breaking a bottle of wine in course of conversation he told donya there was an insurrection in the duke's flemish provinces and soldiers were ordered thither from all parts of burgundy indeed i marvel to see thy face turned this way i go to embrace my folk that i have not seen these three years ye can quell a bit of a rising without me i trow suddenly donya gave a start dost hear gerard this comrade is bound for holland what then ah a letter a letter to margaret but will he be so good so kind the soldier with a torrent of blasphemy informed him he would not only take it but go a league or two out of his way to do it in an instant out came inkhorn and paper from gerard's wallet and he wrote a long letter to margaret and told her briefly what i fear i have spun too tediously dwelt most on the bear and the plunge in the rhine and the character of donya whom he painted to the life and with many endearing expressions bade her to be of good cheer some trouble and peril there had been but all that was over now 
and his only grief left was that he could not hope to have a word from her hand until he should reach rome he ended with comforting her again as hard as he could and so absorbed was he in his love and his work that he did not see all the people in the room were standing peeping to watch the nimble and true finger execute such rare penmanship Donya, proud of his friend's skill led him alone till presently the writer's face worked and soon the scalding tears began to run down his young cheeks one after another on the paper where he was then writing comfort comfort then Donya's rudely repulsed the curious and asked his comrade with a faltering voice whether he had the heart to let so sweet a love-letter miscarry the other swore by the face of st luke he would lose the forefinger of his right hand sooner seeing him so ready gerard charged him also with a short cold letter to his parents and in it he drew hastily with his pen two hands grasping each other to signify farewell by the by one drop of bitterness found its way into his letter to margaret but of that anon gerard now offered money to the soldier he hesitated but declined it no no art comrade of my comrade and may etc but thy love for the wench touches me i'll break another bottle at thy charge and thou wilt and so cry quits well said comrade said donya hadst taken money i had invited thee to walk in the courtyard and cross swords with me whereupon i had cut thy comb for thee retorted the other hadst done thy endeavour droll i doubt not they drank the new bottle shook hands adhered to custom and parted on opposite routes this delay however somewhat put out donya's calculations and evening surprised them ere they reached a little town he was making for where was a famous hotel however they fell in with a roadside auberge and donya seeing a buxom girl at the door said this seems a decent inn and led the way into the kitchen they ordered supper to which no objection was raised only the landlord requested them to pay for it beforehand it was not an uncommon proposal in any part of the world still it was not universal and donya was nettled and dashed his hand somewhat ostentatiously into his purse and pulled out a gold angel count me the change and speedily said he you tavern keepers are more likely to rob me than i you while the supper was preparing donya disappeared and was eventually found by gerard in the yard helping magnon his plump but not bright decoy duck to draw water and pouring extravagant compliments into her dullish ear gerard grunted and returned to table but donya did not come in for a good quarter of an hour uphill work at the end of a march said he shrugging his shoulders what matters that to you said gerard dryly the mad dog bites all the world exaggerated you know i bite but the fairer half well here comes supper that is better worth biting during supper the girl kept constantly coming in and out and looking point-blank at them especially at donya and at last in leaning over him to remove a dish dropped a word in his ear and he replied with a nod as soon as supper was cleared away donya rose and strolled to the door telling gerard the sullen fare had relented and given him a little rendezvous in the stable-yard gerard suggested that the calf-pen would have been a more appropriate locality i should go to bed then said he a little crossly where's the landlord out at this time of night no matter i know our room shall you be long pray not i i grudge leaving the fire and thee but what can i do there are two sorts of invitations a burgundian never declines donya found a figure seated by the well it was magnon but instead of receiving him as he thought he had a right to expect coming by invitation all she did was to sob he asked her what ailed her she sobbed could he do anything for her she sobbed the good-natured donya driven to his wit's end which was no great distance 
proffered the custom of the country by way of consolation she repulsed him roughly is it a time for fooling said she and sobbed you seem to think so said Danya, waxing wroth but the next moment he added tenderly and i who could never bear to see beauty in distress it is not for myself who then your sweetheart oh cur nanny my sweetheart is not on earth now and to think i've not an ague to buy masses for his soul and in this shallow nature the grief seemed now to be all turned in another direction come come said Danya. shalt have money to buy masses for thy dead lad i swear it meantime tell me why you weep for you for me art mad no i'm not mad tis you that were mad to open your purse before him the mystery seemed to thicken and Danya, wearied of stirring up the mud by questions held his peace to see if it would not clear of itself then the girl finding herself no longer questioned seemed to go through some internal combat at last she said doggedly and aloud i will the virgin give me courage what matters it if they kill me since he is dead soldier the landlord is out oh is he what do landlords leave their taverns at this time of night also see what a tempest we are sheltered here but t'other side it blows a hurricane Danya said nothing he has gone to fetch the band the band what band those who will cut your throat and take your gold wretched man to go and shake gold in an innkeeper's face the blow came so unexpectedly it staggered even Danya, accustomed as he was to sudden perils he muttered a single word but in it a volume gerard gerard what is that oh tis thy comrade's name poor lad get him out quick ere they come and fly to the next town and thou they will kill me that shall they not fly with us twill avail me naught one of the band will be sent to kill me they are sworn to slay all who betray them i'll take thee to my native place full thirty leagues from hence and put thee under my own mother's wing ere they shall hurt a hair of thy head but first gerard stay thou here whilst i fetch him as he was darting off the girl seized him convulsively and with all the iron strength excitement lends to women stay me not for pity's sake he cried tis life or death sh sh whispered the girl shutting his mouth hard with her hand and putting her pale lips close to him and her eyes that seemed to turn backwards straining towards some indistinct sound he listened he heard footsteps many footsteps and no voices she whispered in his ear they are come and trembled like a leaf Danya felt it was so travellers in that number would never have come in dead silence the feet were now at the very door how many said he in a hollow whisper hush and she put her mouth to his very ear and who that had seen this man and woman in that attitude would have guessed what freezing hearts were theirs and what terrible whispers passed between them how armed sword and dagger and the giant with his axe they called him the abbot and my comrade nothing can save him better lose one life than to fly Danya's blood froze at this cynical advice poor creature you know not a soldier's heart he put his head in his hands a moment and a hundred thoughts of dangers baffled whirled through his brain listen girl there is one chance for our lives if thou wilt but be true to us run to the town to the nearest tavern and tell the first soldier there that a soldier here is sore beset but armed and his life to be saved if they will but run then to the bailiff but first to the soldiers nay not a word but bust me good lass and fly men's lives hang on thy heels she kilted up her gown to run he came round to the road with her saw her across the road cringing with fear then glide away then turn into an erect shadow then melt away in the storm and now he must get to gerard but how he had to run the gauntlet of the whole band he asked himself what was the worst thing they could do for he had learned in war that an enemy does not what you hope he will do but what you hope he will not do 
attack me as i enter the kitchen then i must not give them time just as he drew near to the latch a terrible thought crossed him suppose they had already dealt with gerard why then thought he naught is left but to kill and be killed and he strung his bow and walked rapidly into the kitchen there were seven hideous faces seated round the fire and the landlord pouring them out neat brandy blood's forerunner in every age what company cried Danya gaily one minute my lads and i'll be with you and he snatched up a lighted candle off the table opened the door that led to the staircase and went up it hallowing what gerard whither hast thou skulked to there was no answer he hallooed louder gerard where art thou after a moment in which Danya lived an hour of agony a peevish half inarticulate noise issued from the room at the head of the little stairs Danya burst in and there was gerard asleep thank god he said in a choking voice then began to sing loud and tuneful ditties gerard put his fingers into his ears but presently he saw in Danya's face a horror that contrasted strangely with this sudden merriment wit elsie said he sitting up and stirring hush said Danya, and his hand spoke even more plainly than his lips listen to me Danya then pointing significantly to the door to show gerard sharp ears were listening hard by continued his song aloud but under cover of it threw in short muttered syllables our lives are in peril thieves thy doublet thy sword aid coming put off time then aloud well now wilt thou t'other bottle say nay no not i but i tell thee there are half a dozen jolly fellows tired ay but i am too weary said gerard go thou nay nay then he went to the door and called out cheerfully landlord the young milksop will not rise give those honest fellows t'other bottle i'll pay for it in the morning he heard a brutal and fierce chuckle having thus by observation made sure the kitchen door was shut and the miscreants were not actually listening he examined the chamber door closely then quietly shut it but did not bolt it and went and inspected the window it was too small to get out of and yet a thick bar of iron had been let in the stone to make it smaller and just as he made this chilling discovery the outer door of the house was bolted with a loud clang Danya groaned the beasts are in the shambles but would the thieves attack them while they were awake probably not not to throw away this their best chance the poor souls now made a series of desperate efforts to converse as if discussing ordinary matters and by this means gerard learned all that had passed and that the girl was gone for aid pray heaven she may not lose heart by the way said Danya sorrowfully and Danya begged gerard's forgiveness for bringing him out of his way for this gerard forgave him i would fear them less gerard but for one they call the abbot i picked him out at once taller than you bigger than us both put together fights with an axe gerard a man to lead a herd of deer to battle i shall kill that man to-night or he will kill me i think somehow tis he will kill me saints forbid shoot him at the door what avails his strength against your weapon i shall pick him out but if it comes to hand-fighting run swiftly under his guard or you are a dead man i tell thee neither of us may stand a blow of that axe thou never sawest such a body of a man gerard was for bolting the door but Danya, with a sign showed him that half the door-post turned outward on a hinge and the great bolt was little more than a blind i have forborne to bolt it said he that they may think us the less suspicious near an hour rolled away thus it seemed an age yet it was but a little hour and the town was a league distant and some of the voices in the kitchen became angry and impatient they will not wait much longer said Danya, and we have no chance at all unless we surprise them i will do whate'er you bid said gerard meekly there was a cupboard on the same side as the door but between it and the window 
it reached nearly to the ground but not quite Danya opened the cupboard door and placed gerard on a chair behind it if they run for the bed strike at the napes of their necks a sword cut there always kills or disables he then arranged the bolsters and their shoes in the bed so as to deceive a person peeping from a distance and drew the short curtains at the head meantime gerard was on his knees Danya looked round and saw him ah said Danya, above all pray them to forgive me for bringing you into this guet apens and now they grasped hands and looked in one another's eyes oh such a look Danya's hand was cold and gerard's warm they took their posts Danya blew out the candle we must keep silence now but in the terrible tension of their nerves and very souls they found they could hear a whisper fainter than any man could catch at all outside that door they could hear each other's hearts thump at times good news breathed Danya, listening at the door they are casting lots pray that it may be the abbot yes why if he comes alone i can make sure of him Danya, i i fear i should go mad if they do not come soon shall i feign sleep shall i snore will that perhaps do then and god have mercy on us Danya snored at intervals there was a scuffling of feet heard in the kitchen and then all was still Danya snored again then took up his position behind the door but he or they who had drawn the lot seemed determined to run no foolish risks nothing was attempted in a hurry when they were almost starved with cold and waiting for the attack the door on the stairs opened softly and closed again nothing more there was another harrowing silence then a single light footstep on the stair and nothing more and a light crept under the door and nothing more presently there was a gentle scratching not half so loud as a mouse's and the false door-post opened by degrees and left a perpendicular space through which the light streamed in the door had it been bolted would now have hung by the bare tip of the bolt which went into the real door-post but as it was it swung gently open of itself it opened inward so Danius did not raise his crossbow from the ground but merely grasped his dagger the candle was held up and shaded from behind by a man's hand he was inspecting the beds from the threshold satisfied that his victims were both in bed the man glided into the apartment but at the first step something in the position of the cupboard and chair made him uneasy he ventured no further but put the candle on the floor and stooped to peer under the chair but as he stooped an iron hand grasped his shoulder and a dagger was driven so fiercely through his neck that the point came out at his gullet there was a terrible hiccup but no cry and half a dozen silent strokes followed in swift succession each a death-blow and the assassin was laid noiselessly on the floor Danya closed the door bolted it gently drew the post to and even while he was going whispered gerard to bring a chair it was done help me set him up dead parbleu what for frightened them gain time even while saying this Danya had whipped a piece of string round the dead man's neck and tied him to the chair and there the ghastly figure sat fronting the door Danya, i can do better saints forgive me what be quick then we have not many moments and Danya got his crossbow ready and tearing off his straw mattress reared it before him and prepared to shoot the moment the door should open for he had no hope any more would come singly when they found the first did not return while thus employed gerard was busy about the seated corpse and to his amazement Danya saw a luminous glow spreading rapidly over the white face gerard blew out the candle and on this the corpse's face shone still more like a glow-worm's head Danya shook in his shoes and his teeth chattered what in heaven's name is this he whispered hush tis but phosphorus but twill serve away they will surprise thee in fact uneasy mutterings were heard below and at last a deep voice said what makes him so long is the droll rifling them 
it was their comrade they suspected then not the enemy soon a step came softly but rapidly up the stairs the door was gently tried when this resisted which was clearly not expected the sham post was very cautiously moved and an eye no doubt peeped through the aperture for there was a howl of dismay and the man was heard to stumble back and burst into the kitchen here a babel of voices rose directly on his return gerard ran to the deaf thief and began to work on him again back madman whispered donny nay nay i know these ignorant brutes they will not venture here a while i can make him ten times more fearful at least close that opening let them not see you at your devilish work gerard closed the sham post and in half a minute his brush gave the dead head a sight to strike any man with dismay he put his art to a strange use and one unparalleled perhaps in the history of mankind he illuminated his dead enemy's face to frighten his living foe the staring eyeballs he made globes of fire the teeth he left white for so they were more terrible by the contrast but the palate and tongue he tipped with fire and made one lurid cavern of the red depths the chapfallen jaw revealed and on the brow he wrote in burning letters la mort and while he was doing it the stout donia was quaking and fearing the vengeance of heaven for one man's courage is not another's and the band of miscreants below were quarrelling and disputing loudly and now without disguise the steps that led down to the kitchen were fifteen but they were nearly perpendicular there was therefore in point of fact no distance between the besiegers and besieged and the latter now caught almost every word at last one was heard to cry out i tell you ye the devil has got him and branded him with hell-fire i'm more like to leave this cursed house than go again into a room that is full of fiends art drunk or bad or a coward said another call me a coward i'll give thee my dagger's point and send thee where pierre sits afire for ever come no quarrelling when work is afoot roared a tremendous diapason or i'll brain ye both with my fist and send ye where we shall all go soon or late the abbot whispered donia gravely he felt the voice he had just heard could belong to no man but the colossus he had seen in passing through the kitchen it made the place vibrate the quarrelling continued some time and then there was a dead silence look out gerard ay what will they do next we shall soon know shall i wait for you or cut down the first that opens the door wait for me lest we strike the same and waste a blow alas we cannot afford that dead silence sudden came into the room a thing that made them start and their hearts quiver and what was it a moonbeam even so can this machine the body by the soul's action be strung up to start and quiver the sudden ray shot keen and pure into that shamble its calm cold silvery soul traversed the apartment in a stream of no great volume for the window was narrow after the first tremor gerard whispered courage donia god's eye is on us even here and he fell upon his knees with his face turned towards the window ay it was like a holy eye opening suddenly on human crime and human passions many a scene of blood and crime that pure cold eye had rested on but on few more ghastly than this where two men with a lighted corpse between them waited panting to kill and be killed nor did the moonlight deaden that horrible corpse-light if anything it added to its ghastliness for the body sat at the edge of the moonbeam which cut sharp across the shoulder and the ear and seemed blue and ghastly and unnatural by the sight of that lurid glow in which the face and eyes and teeth shone horribly but donia dared not look that way the moon drew a broad stripe of light across the door and on that his eyes were glued presently he whispered gerard gerard looked and raised his sword acutely as they had listened they had heard of late no sound on the stair yet there in the doorpost at the edge of the stream of moonlight were the tips of the fingers of a hand the nails glistened presently they began to crawl and crawl down towards the bolt but with infinite slowness and caution in so doing they crept into the moonlight 
the actual motion was imperceptible but slowly slowly the fingers came out whiter and whiter but the hand between the main knuckles and the wrist remained dark Danya slowly raised his crossbow he levelled it he took a long steady aim gerard palpitated at last the crossbow twanged the hand was instantly nailed with a stern jar to the quivering door-post there was a scream of anguish cut whispered Danya eagerly and gerard's uplifted sword descended and severed the wrist with two swift blows a body sank down moaning outside the hand remained inside immovable with blood trickling from it down the wall the fierce bolt slightly barbed had gone through it and deep into the real door-post two said Danya, with terrible cynicism he strung his crossbow and kneeled behind his cover again the next will be the abbot the wounded man moved and presently crawled down to his companions on the stairs and the kitchen door was shut there nothing was heard now but low muttering the last incident had revealed the mortal character of the weapons used by the besieged i begin to think the abbot's stomach is not so great as his body said Danya. the words were scarcely out of his mouth when the following events happened all in a couple of seconds the kitchen door was opened roughly a heavy but active man darted up the stairs without any manner of disguise and a single ponderous blow sent the door not only off its hinges but right across the room on to Danya's fortification which it struck so rudely as nearly to lay him flat and in the doorway stood a colossus with a glittering axe he saw the dead man with the moon's blue light on half his face and the red light on the other half and inside his chapfallen jaws he stared his arms fell his knees knocked together and he crouched with terror la mort he cried in tones of terror and turned and fled in which act Danya started up and shot him through both jaws he sprang with one bound into the kitchen and there leaned on his axe spitting blood and teeth and curses Danya strung his bow and put his hand into his breast he drew it out dismayed my last bolt is gone he groaned but we have our swords and you have slain the giant no gerard said Danya gravely i have not and the worst is i have wounded him fool to shoot at a retreating lion he had never faced thy handiwork again but for my meddling ah to your guard i hear them open the door then Danya, depressed by the one error he had committed in all this fearful night felt convinced his last hour had come he drew his sword but like one doomed but what is this a red light flickers on the ceiling gerard flew to the window and looked out there were men with torches and breastplates gleaming red we are saved armed men and he dashed his sword through the window shouting quick quick we are sore pressed back yelled Danya. they come strike none but him that very moment the abbot and two men with naked weapons rushed into the room even as they came the outer door was hammered fiercely and the abbot's comrades hearing it and seeing the torchlight turned and fled not so the terrible abbot wild with rage and pain he spurned his dead comrade chair and all across the room and then as the men faced him on each side with kindling eyeballs he waved his tremendous axe like a feather right and left and cleared a space and lifted it to hew them both in pieces his antagonists were inferior in strength but not in swiftness and daring and above all they had settled how to attack him the moment he reared the, his axe they flew at him like cats and both together if he struck a full blow with his weapon he would most likely kill one but the other would certainly kill him he saw this and intelligent as well as powerful he thrust the handle fiercely in Danya's face and turning jabbed with the steel at gerard Danya went staggering back covered with blood gerard had rushed in like lightning and just as the axe turned to descend on him drove his sword so fiercely through the giant's body that the very hilt sounded on his ribs like the blow of a pugilist and Danya, staggering back to help his friend saw a steel point come out of the abbot behind the stricken giant bellowed like a bull 
dropped his axe and clutching gerard's throat tremendously shook him like a child then danya with a fierce snarl drove his sword into the giant's back stand firm now and he pushed the cold steel through and through the giant and out at his breast thus horribly spitted on both sides the abbot gave a violent shudder and his heels hammered the ground convulsively his lips fast turning blue opened wide and deep and he cried la mort la mort la mort the first time in a roar of despair and then twice in a horror-stricken whisper never to be forgotten just then the street door was forced suddenly the abbot's arms whirled like windmills and his huge body wrenched wildly and carried them to the doorway twisting their wrists and nearly throwing them off their legs he'll win clear yet cried Danya. out steel and in again they tore out their smoking swords but ere they could stab again the abbot leaped full five feet high and fell with a tremendous crash against the door below carrying it away with him like a sheet of paper and through the aperture the glare of torches burst on the awestruck faces above half blinding them the thieves at the first alarm had made for the back door but driven thence by a strong guard ran back to the kitchen just in time to see the lock forced out of the socket and half a dozen mailed archers burst in upon them on these in pure despair they drew their swords but ere a blow was struck on either side the staircase door behind them was battered into their midst with one ponderous blow and with it the abbot's body came flying hurled as they thought by no mortal hand and rolled on the floor spouting blood from back and bosom into furious jets and quivered but breathed no more the thieves smitten with dismay fell on their knees directly and the archers bound them while above the rescued ones still stood like statues rooted to the spot their dripping swords extended in the red torchlight expecting their indomitable enemy to leap back on them as wonderfully as he had gone End of section thirty five